0: Listening to the Citizens Church Podcast. Citizens Church exists to saturate Bryan College Station, Texas, with the good news and love of Jesus. To learn more about Citizens Church, visit us online at citizensbcs.com. Today's message is from Pastor Ben Rush. Why don't you stand? We're gonna read God's word together. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. I'm going to read the whole thing. Chapter 10, verse one. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, "Seal up what you have, what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down." Then the angel had been standing. Uh, the angel had been who had been standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea that is all in it, and said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from the heaven spoke to me once more. Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who was standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth, it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. This is God's word. You can take a seat. Well, if you don't know, guys, it is 2023. It is 2023. Newsflash. Anybody excited? Is there anybody that's over it already? Yeah, a couple people. If you're of a certain personality type, uh, this new year thing, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, you've set goals. You are on track. You've got seven or so days under your belt, 51 more weeks to go. You've got some momentum. You've written your goals out there on your calendar. You've got them on sticky notes in your car, on your bathroom mirror. They're in your calendar. When someone asks you what your goals are for 2023, you tell them in detail. You know who you are. And if you're not of that certain personality type, you fall into two categories. Category one is like, you're, you're like, it's 2023? A new year? What is that? I don't even know what that is. Most, nobody's in that category. Or you might be a little cynical. That, that's probably where everybody else falls. If, you, uh, if we asked you, you might, you might say something like this. I do not participate in the shared tribal bonding ritual set by a postmodern Western culture. I reject any and all forms of pressure to conform to anyone's expectations or be limited by a capitalistic marketing campaign's definition of success in a society such as ours. Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't say it like that, but that's what you're thinking. You might be cynical because you know that 97% of people that set New Year's goals actually fail at them. For most of us, the cycle of goal setting is a little bit like an exercise in futility. The cycle of goal setting looks like this. For most of us, I'm stealing this from John Tyson. We try, and then we fail, and then we feel shame and then we try again and then we fail and then we feel guilt and then we resolve to do this thing that we have been trying to do and we try again and then we don't bother trying anymore and then we finally just settle that like we're not going to do this thing that we said we were going to do have you experienced this before just me anybody else But this does not stop us from setting New Year's goals, which is amazing. This desire to change, this desire to reset, this desire to become something new or someone new, to make progress, it cannot be broken. It's something that's deep inside all of us that that wants to improve, that wants to grow. One of the most fun parts of being a parent is to see your child come alive into their, you know, step into their identity a little bit, become a little bit more of who they are. I remember Colbin, who is now 17, who played drums up here. Everybody give it up for Colbin. Yeah. What a man. He's like shaking. He's shaking his head. Like, what the heck are you about to say? Started playing drums at two years old. I remember that. It was like brilliant. I was, what in the world is this kid doing? I remember during COVID lockdown, here I am a piano player of 30 years was accepted into the Rice uh, Shepherd School of Music at Rice University, piano performance, and didn't go, by the way. And then I see my 15-year-old son during COVID lockdown learn every Coldplay song exactly on, as it is on the recording, by ear. Things I cannot play, he was playing. It's a freak of nature. I remember when he started to read and started to have a growth uh, in his love for books, and... Uh, silence and solitude, and then he began to seek God with me every morning, real early. We began to meet with God and pray. I loved seeing him come alive. I remember seeing Kinsley come alive and become a little bit more of who she is as a leader when she became a cheer captain and a dance captain, and she began to lead some of her peers. And now our youngest, our, our youngest Corley, she's ten; she'll be eleven in a, a few weeks. Ashley and I are starting to see some of her personality. Uh, come out and blossom and unfold. Uh, Corley is a goal setter. She is in group number one. Just want to let you guys know. And with her permission, she wasn't supposed to be in here, but she stayed, I think because she wanted to see what's going on with this. But I asked her permission and I'm going to share her list of goals for 2023. Some of them, not all of them, just a few. She asked that I not, she asked that I not share all of them. Here we go. This, these are some of her goals. She's, she's categorized them into five categories. Dance goals, reading goals, school goals, spiritual goals, general goals. She came up with these on her own. I did not help her. Dance goals, to be able to dance leading up to competitions. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yes, okay. Reading goals, to get better at reading more. School goals, to, to not try being the best, but to do my best, to remember what I've learned spiritual goals to understand, learn, and read the Bible more, general goals to make sure my friend choices are good decisions, to not get distracted so easily, and to try my best at being more wise and mature. What the heck? Those are some pretty solid goals. I love this girl. In his book... Atomic Habits by James Clear, he makes the claim that focusing on small habits over the long haul is exponentially more effective than trying to make massive changes in the present. We're gonna explore this concept a little later. Whether you have goals or not, whether you like them or not, the question I want to ask you today is, what is your plan in 2023 to become more like Jesus? What's your plan in 2023 to become more like Jesus? Is it anywhere On your list? What's your plan to live like him? What's your plan to love like him? It's been said that failing to plan is a plan for failure, and I believe that that is true. That quote has annoyed me mostly for most of my life, but I do believe that it is true. I have my own goals this year. I want to get healthy. 2022 was rough for me. I found out I have an autoimmune disease and I need to eat better, and I've gained some weight, and I need to lose some, and I gained some muscle. Uh, I need to save some more money. I want to give more money away. I want to do some projects around the house that I've been putting off. I want to make memories with Ashley and the kids. And I want to read 100 books. Just, you know, light lifting, no big deal. Audible's a, a real help. The problem is, is that none of these things that I've just listed will make me become more like Jesus. Not one of them. I can live all of 2023, all of 2024 And the rest of my life, knocking down goals, personal goals, financial goals, dancing goals like Corley, whatever. And at the end of my life, I can be laying in a hospital bed, hopefully just from old age, surrounded by my family and be mostly the same person I am inside today. And you can too. And that would be a tragedy. You can convince yourself that more stuff equals more joy or that more sacrifice is more satisfying or maybe more money or more books or more trips or a bigger house or a job promotion or that one relationship you've been waiting on would give you more joy. But in the end, those things are just things and they will not bring you more joy. Jesus said it like this, what would it profit you to gain the whole world but lose your soul? Most of you know this, The scary thing is is that you can appear to be a spiritual person who does all the right things, checks all the right boxes, and never love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength or love your neighbor. The scarier thing is you can deceive yourself. We have the ability to deceive ourselves. We are brought from death to life through the perfect sinless life of Jesus, not our efforts, not our efforts. They don't save us. We're brought to life by... Jesus' death and resurrection. Not trying and working harder, but surrendering to this love and receiving it and becoming more like Jesus. You can also deceive yourself into thinking that you don't have any responsibility in the equation. It's all grace, it's all up to chance, it's all up to happenstance. In the word, words of St. Bonaventure, to know much and taste nothing of what use is that? To, to know much, this is the temptation of our spiritual age, age just to consume more and more information, to read more and more. And it has been for some time. Bonaventure says, to know much and taste nothing, that is useless, it's futile. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. Reading is an immense gift, but only if the words are assimilated, taken into the soul, eaten, chewed, gnawed, received in an unhurried delight. In other words, we have this book here, and it is a gift, but the better gift, the actual gift that we have from God is when we live out these words. That is the truest gift, to consume and commune with the God who gave us this book, to enter the story of God and become his people. So over the next couple of weeks, real simple, real basic, real 101, we're going to look at what it looks like to eat this book metaphorically, not, not literally. And we're going to learn uh, how to live like Jesus. We're going to consider how to get these words of this book deep inside of our souls to transform us. We're going to look at the question of why does this even matter? Like, how do we do it? Why, why does this even matter? Okay. So here's what I want to do with the remainder of our time. I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 10 for just a little bit. I'm going to make some comments and then I'm done. Okay. Are you with me? Revelation chapter 10, John eats a scroll, what has been translated elsewhere as a little book. That's all uh, this weird imagery is there with a big angel that's covered with a cloud that's got a rainbow around his head and his face is like the sun and his legs are like fire. I don't know if he's jacked or what the heck's going on. One foot is on the sea and one foot is on the land and he's holding this little book and he's preaching this book. His preaching was like the roar of a lion, the sound of thunders. And John has been writing down everything that he has been seeing, this, these weird images of a beast coming out of the ocean with horns and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people surrounding the throne, worshiping the lamb. And he's writing everything down. He's writing it all down. He sees a new heaven and a new earth come down from heaven. But this voice tells John not to write this part down. He says, don't write it down. Instead, I want you to eat it. And so John sets his pen aside and his paper aside, and he begins to eat the words and feast upon the words that the angel had read. So he puts his journal down. He feasts on God's word. Jeremiah Jeremiah the prophet and Ezekiel the prophet also feasted on God's word. If you'll turn left from Revelation to the prophet Jeremiah, I'll read it, it'll be up on the screen. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16 says this, your words were found and I ate them and your words became a joy to me and the delight of my heart for I have been called by your name, Lord God of armies. Jeremiah ate the book. John ate the book. If you turn right, a couple of books, Jeremiah, limitations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter two, verse eight. This is what it says, As for you, son of man, listen to what I am saying to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. Then I looked and realized a hand was stretched out to me, and in it was a written scroll. He unrolled it before me, and it had writing on the front and back written on it were lament, mourning, and woe. He said to me, son of man, eat what you see in front of you. Eat this scroll, and then go back to speak to the house of Israel." So I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. He said to me, son of man, feed your stomach and fill your belly with this scroll I am giving you. So I ate it and it was sweet like honey in my mouth. sounds a lot like what John experienced, right? He's the book. Eugene Peterson writes this. He got it, the book, in his nerve endings, his reflexes, his imagination. The book he ate was holy scripture, assimilated into his worship and prayer, his imagining and writing. The book he ate was metabolized into the book he wrote the first great poem in the Christian tradition and the concluding book of the Bible, the revelation. For John, it was a vision. The book he consumed became a message and it became his life. When we consume this word, this book, we receive the words of God internally and they create a universe which reorders our lives. It becomes our message, or at least it should. In another place, the psalmist and Psalm 119 verse 103 says, how sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. But then John, he digests this word. I don't know if it's literally happening or this is figurative. He digests it and the taste of sweet honey begins to churn in his stomach in an unpleasant way. It turns bitter. Eating is enjoyable. Digesting is difficult. We don't talk much about eating God's word. When we think about all the commands of scripture to keep us on track in our spiritual formation, there's a list and it looks kind of like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor, honor your father and mother, repent and believe, remember the Sabbath, don't be anxious, give thanks at all times, pray without ceasing, follow me, go and tell, take up your cross. But what I am suggesting to, to you is that we add one to the list and that is to eat this book. Don't merely read it, but eat it. The high place in this city, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that there were high places set on mountains where there were idol, there was idol worship going on. And God was always instructing the people of Israel to go in and tear down the high places. The high place in this city, the spirit of religion here, the Christian culture in Bryan College Station wants you to settle for just reading. God's word, just read it. You've got some problems? Oh, just just go read God's word. It's simple, simple, it's easy. Reading is a part of the equation. That's not enough though. The book has the power to save you. James chapter one says this, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. This word, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even into dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You may have read the Bible, but have you eaten it? Now, this may sound like semantics. I'm like, okay, Ben, this is okay. I get it. Are the words deep within your gut? Do you obey what the scripture teaches? Have you using the words of Eugene Peterson? Has it metabolized into your bloodstream? Has it built muscle and bone? Has it rearranged your priorities? Has it changed you? Has it reorganized your loves? And if not, why not? Why not? If it's not clear enough this year, I'm inviting us to eat this book in 2023. That's what I want us to do. And I want us to make a plan to eat it. Part of reading is eating. Or part of eating is reading, rather. Eating is not less than reading, but it is more than just reading. It starts with a plan. I don't care what your goals are for 2023. If they don't include reading God's word, I guarantee that you will much mostly be the same person that you are in 2024. Make a plan. Make a plan. Ashley, my wife, is always making plans for meals at home all the time. All the time. She thinks about it nonstop. I don't know if any other moms in the house are the exact same way or spouses. Like, you're not a mom, but you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it all the time. I'm not. I'm just not thinking about it. Ashley's literally thinking about it all the time. And I have a somewhat restrictive diet that I have to follow when I'm being good. And other times I do not. But without Ashley's planning, my family would just starve. Like, we would mostly starve. When Ashley goes out of town she goes shopping for all of the foods for us to eat. And she makes a list of what's like in the refrigerator and in the freezer. And then she gets out like the recipes and she says, follow this plan. And, and I I do follow the plan, but when I'm lazy, I just order pizza. And so you have to plan. It's been said that you will be the same person you are today, except for the people you hang out with, the places you go, the food you eat and the books you read. I'm asking you, to commit to reading scripture this year. There are so many plans available. We've got one online. It's not the best one. It's just a plan, okay? Eat this book, consume it. Some people are good at plugging away at Bible reading plans. They like checking boxes. They're weird. I'm one of those people, a little bit, like... But this is where James Clear, uh, his book, Atomic Habits, comes in. You don't run a marathon, a 26-mile marathon, by just one day signing up for the marathon, grabbing a new pair of hocus, maybe some hocus shorts, maybe because they're really short. I'm not sure. And then, and then, like, you just go run 26 miles the next day. N- yeah. Did you? Without training? Can we I want to have a conversation with you about this later. It wasn't pretty. I I actually did once not really train for a half marathon in the woodlands and then ran it and at about mile 10 I like walked the rest of the way. I still have knee pain from something that happened like 6 or 7 years ago. It was not good. So what you do when you're training to run a marathon, like, for real, for real, if you want to talk to somebody, Parker Jackson's about to run his second marathon. Back in the back, Parker. And I know know some other people are, like, extreme sports people in the house. So, like, look at this body. (laughs) I don't know from experience, okay? I know a guy. I've read a book that basically says this. If you want to run a marathon, you start by running a mile or two, a couple times a week, three times a week, right? If you've never run a marathon, this is where you start. Then on the weekend, you run the long, the long run. It's three to four miles. And you pick up the pace a few weeks in. And then you're running three to four miles a day a few times a week, and you're doing the long run on the weekend, six, seven miles. And then you do that for a few weeks, and then you kind of up the ante, up the pace a little bit. Maybe you do some sprints or some fartlek runs, <laughs> You know what a fart lick is? Look it up. It's a real thing. And then you get up to about 20 miles and you're good, right? Half marathon, you get up to about 10 miles and you're good. You can run the 13. Adrenaline takes over. It's supposed to, at least. <laughs> the same is true with eating this book. Here's what I want to say to you, okay? Like, I... I don't like that this is my experience. It's just my experience. When I was a little kid, I would see my dad sitting at the table, and he, would re- he was reading his Bible. And I, would, I asked him at a very young age, Dad, what are you doing? And he was like, reading the Bible. That's what Rushmen do. And so at some point in my life, I just picked this up. Like, I'm going to read the Bible. I don't really know what it's saying. I don't understand it. And so I started plugging away reading scripture. Bible reading plans are some of my favorite things to do. But for you, that may not be the case. And so you may say, oh, it's a new year. I'm gonna try a Bible reading plan. And then you get a Bible reading plan and then you get into March and you get to Leviticus or you get to Numbers, maybe if you're lucky and you start, like the genealogy starts listing out and you're like, what the heck, these names, I don't get it, I don't understand, I'm done. And that's what happens to most people. And that's totally understandable and it's totally normal. But God is inviting us into something more. And James Clear's got some wisdom. Don't start with a year-long Bible reading plan trying to consume it all if you've never read a chapter in the Bible. Start small. If you've never spent 15 minutes with God in the morning, listening to God in silence and solitude, and you're not a morning person, and you wake up after eight, don't say in 2023, I'm gonna get up at 4:30, I'm gonna pray for two hours a day. It's just not gonna work. Maybe it will for like a few weeks and maybe the grace of God and the spirit of God just comes and like you're like Superman or Superwoman. That's, that can totally happen. But for most people, it's just not gonna happen. So start small. Start reading the book of John. A chapter a day. Or better yet, read until it says you have to go and do something and then stop and then go do it. Because that's what reading the Bible is all about. Not more knowledge. Okay, stop and then go do it. And then the next day, pick up scripture and you're like, okay, I did it. I obeyed scripture here. I'm not just a hearer, I'm a doer of the word, right? Otherwise, what, you'll ha- what will happen is you'll fall into the cycle of failing and shame and guilt and you'll finally settle and you'll give up and you'll take shortcuts and you'll order pizza. Uh, yeah, Sometimes. Create accountability structures. Uh, there's a couple of people that uh, invited me into this like five or six years ago, and I started it and I hated it. And then some years went by and then I've changed and now I love it. And so I am doing this. Every morning, there are four people. I text basically my time with God to them and they text their time with God to me. It's not like exhaustive. It's not this big, long thing. It's just these are the things I learned today when I read scripture. I text it to them. These are the, some of the things I'm going through. And it feels real vulnerable and I don't like doing it really. Uh, It's not natural to me is what I'm trying to say, but I've made the practice of doing it for the last couple of months and and it's changed me. It holds, it holds me accountable. Accountable. I need the accountability. And then, and now I'm praying for these people and I'm holding them accountable. It's not like this bossy, like, Hey man, where's your time with the Lord? I didn't read it today. Where's it at? none of that trash. It's just like, there's grace. Some of you might need to invite someone in with you, is all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to suggest, okay? Because following Jesus is a communal thing. You and your like, Jesus is my boyfriend thing happening over on the side. I don't think that's in scripture, really. Like, we want to love Jesus more, but it's a communal thing that we're doing together, following him, becoming more like him, submitting to his word, and doing what it says. I don't care how much you know about scripture. I, dude, I can talk about in time, whatever, and egalitarian, complementarian. Great. How many, how many people do you know that don't follow Jesus? Like, when's the last time you actually obeyed scripture? Okay, let's talk. This is the hardest part. This is the thing that once it gets inside of our belly, it starts to get uncomfortable. It starts to churn inside, and it's like, ah, I don't like this. It tastes sweet, but now I got to do something about it. When you actually eat, that's what happens. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to commit to read God's word this year and eat it, to eat it, to consume it. Start with a Bible reading plan, not just to check in a box. You can go online. There's a a lot of Bible reading plans out there. But more than anything else, I want you to hear the invitation of Jesus today. In John chapter 6 verse 48, this is what he what he said. I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Eating God's word is different than reading God's word. Eating is not less than, but it, but it is much more than that. At a time when the voices of many compete for our attention and claim to give life, Jesus makes this simple claim that if we feast on him, the bread of life, he will give us life and he will give others life. What would that look like? How do we do this? Where do we start? I wanna invite you to come back next week. We're gonna to start to unpack it week two, week three. Just start somewhere this week. Start simple. Invite some others in. We're going to look at, over the next couple of weeks, how do we actually eat Scripture? How do we pray it? How do we do what it says? That simple, okay? Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, we know that uh, your word is... As life. And for some of us, we haven't experienced much of life. Maybe in some people's eyes, we've experienced life, but inside at our quietest moments by ourselves, when we're alone, we feel death. We don't feel life. We want to experience life. We know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And the invitation to feast on your flesh to read your word is not another law. It's an invitation. And we want to learn how to do it. We want to know how to do it and we want to enjoy it. We want to become like you. We want to become more like you. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Father, we set aside our will, our desires, our goals for this one goal. Not that we can't do these other things, but Lord, we don't want to miss out on what you have for us this year. Just setting aside time to spend with you, to listen to you, to be transformed by you. Help us to become students of your word Everything else goes back to this. Dwelling in your presence, loving you, feeling your love, experiencing your love and going and loving the world around us. We surrender to you today. In Christ's name, everyone said, amen. Why don't you stand? We're gonna respond in worship. So here's what we're gonna do. While we're worshiping, while we're responding in worship, I just wanna invite the community leaders Uh, around the room over on the sides or back and just hey we're going to make ourselves available to you for prayer it can be anything small big it can be about something we talked about today it can be about anything else it's our pleasure and our joy to pray with you so I want to invite you to respond in that way as we sing as we worship thanks for joining us today for the message we hope it was encouraging to you to learn more about Citizens Church including gathering times and locations or to give financial support Please visit citizensbcs.com. And again, thanks for listening to the Citizens Church Podcast.